You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, welcome to the final episode of 2020 in 2020. My name is Corey Peza. I'm here with my co-hosts, Benny Goodman and Siobhan Cronin. How's it going, guys? Woo. Yay. Good. How are you doing? Not bad. We we made it to the end of the year. We didn't think we'd oh, make it this far. I'm so ready. I'm just like so ready. I'm just waiting for like one more disaster just to wrap up 2020 and let's just move on. Are you ready for our show to become an actual cliche that we're perpetuating? <laughs> because in 2021, 2020 will just be a cliche. Wasn't that then the plan we'll, all along? Well, yeah. I mean, to make it an adverb, to make it something that like you got it, 2020. It's just going to be another hashtag, you know, when when all the shit goes awry, it's just going to be 20, hashtag 2020. assuming people even care enough about us to put a hashtag in front of our name. <laughs> what if 2021's worse? <laughs> I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> I feel like 2020 has a more of a ring than 2021. <laughs> hey, right. flows right off the tongue <laughs> well to uh to to rein in the you know the new year here our last episode of 2020 uh of the year we have our good friend richard shaw back on with us who's brilliant 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 as they say in the uk and he, can we say he's our official uk correspondent over the pond because like it everything he says with that accent just sounds so demure to me. He kind of is. I think, wasn't he our first official guest? Or am I mistaking that with someone else? I think he was the first recording we did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he sort of like broke the seal for us of like, you know, being our He's our the trial first beer. Run. He's the first <laughs> beer before you make a lot of bad decisions. <laughs> <laughs> we did uh, We did record this one a while back. So, <laughs> even though it's the final episode of the year, I think right. we, re- we recorded this one. Dude, I don't uh, remember what I did earlier today. <laughs> it was from June. Ne- nevertheless, wow. June. Okay, I can tell you what I was doing in June. I was walking around a graveyard all day I long remember with headphones. That well, because we were socially distancing oh. and you couldn't even go out in public because people were still caring about that. Nevertheless, numbers, like you know, whatever's happening going up. But like people were still scared. There was a healthy fear. So for me, I was like, you're six, you're six feet away at all times. So like, why not like walk around and then go home and and talk to the dude across the pond through my computer. So anyway, none of that has anything to do with Richard Shaw, but here he is once again. And if you haven't listened to the first two episodes, just to get a little background on him, go and check those out. And uh, yeah, we're excited to have him back on for our He's the guitarist audition. from Cradle of Filth, but more than that, he also played on Lost Symphony, lostsymphony.com. He played on Chapter 1, Premeditated Destruction. He will also be on Chapter 3, which we haven't officially announced yet. But stay freaking tuned. And all of that said, Richard is truly one of the greatest up and coming guitarists that I personally heard. I think um, he's up and come. <laughs> right. He's he has <laughs> upped and come. <laughs> he came. <laughs> what? No, I'm sorry. This is getting really bad. <laughs> Let's get our mind out of the gutters here. Yeah. Enjoy the episode. I'm sure we did. We don't even remember what we talked about, but I'm sure it's great. <laughs> Richard Shaw. I'm going to go smoke a fag. Hi, I'm Benny Goodman, and welcome to this edition of 2020. We're basically um, up is down and left is right, and AB, AB select start gets you fucking 30 lives in Contra. Over here, we got Corey Beza. Yo. The man with the plan, sometimes plays bass, sometimes <laughs> plays guitar. Um, people stroke his ego for his mixing abilities. He's pretty good. Um, <laughs> we have down over there, Siobhan Cronin from Star Set, Trans-Siberian Orchestra, and just herself, because she's awesome. 
Sweden. And then, come, I don't know why, coming in for another round of pain. <laughs> Maybe it's just because he's such a gentleman in his, in his culture. Richard Shaw from Cradle of Filth. I'm just here because I've got nothing else to do. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just sat here doing <laughs> So Richard, I just want to jump right into something because when I told you I was from Worcester, Massachusetts, someone had said, I don't know, Worcestershire came up. Someone told me afterwards that you were just being polite because Worcestershire is just like any kind of county or whatever, and you were just being nice to the American by not correcting me. So I wanted to read something to you and so we could better understand British culture, if, if you'll indulge us, of course. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so I don't know if this is similar, but I was reading that residents in Taraja, Indonesia, take their deceased loved ones out of the graves once uh -huh. a year, or once every three years, to celebrate their lives. The festival is known as Manane. The dead will be taken out of their coffins, cleaned, and given a new set of clothes. Relatives from far and wide come to celebrate Monane, feasting, swapping stories, and honoring the deceased. Food and water and even cigarettes are offered to the dead because it is believed the spirit remains near their body and craves care. P.S. They use preservatives to retain the bodies. Is this something that they would do in British culture? Not in British culture, but that sounds very heavy metal. <laughs> well, that's why I brought it up. I just wanted to know because yeah, I read this and I said... Am I uninformed that this happens other places? Yeah, but there's got to be like songs written about that, surely. Like in British <laughs> well, we're going to get into that because I actually, I've learned a lot of words listening to your music and we're going to go over those words. But um, so I just want to talk about this. So the pictures that I have here, oh, like yeah. people have like, like dead babies hanging out with their sisters <laughs> and like a guy with a cigarette. But I went and read about it and they like literally like embalm these people and then they clean their corpses every like third year and they've been doing it for 900 years and it's a way to honor them. And I'm like, but it's just the creepiest, most metal thing ever. And I'm like, why is it there a cradle? Did you just song? Did you just lump? Every, did you lump everything outside of the United States into that category that you think everyone outside the U.S. I didn't know hangs out with their dead. I'm, no, I'm just saying that I'm ignorant. Period. It's my fault. <laughs> stop. Stop making a holistic statement about anything. I'm just dumb. I didn't think it through. <laughs> It sounds kind of like, you, you, you know, in Beetlejuice, where the, it's like the waiting room scene. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, that's what that sounds like. We're just going to dig up oh, my grandparents yeah. and just like, hang out like, and take photos. And, like, and right. some, someone's just super into Weekend of Birdies. No, they do, they do take photos. It's really creepy. You should Google the, <laughs> the photos. They're, they're totally – I would tell Corey to put them in, but honestly, I don't want to cause not. our readers. I'd, I'd I'd really yeah, we not. might but, lose some people well, on that thing, one. The other thing I wanted to ask you, Richard, was – I was listening to a song called, I think it's called uh, the, the Manor uh, or uh, uh, The Night at Catafalk Manor. And I had to yeah. Google what Catafalk was, which, by the way, for those that aren't super hyper intelligent like Siobhan and Richard and probably Danny Filth, um, is a thing. It's like a box that holds up a coffin. It's like when Abraham Lincoln died, he had a catafalk that they like paraded him around. But then I, I have questions because like, <laughs> Why is there a catafalk manor? Like, what are they doing? Are they building catafalks there? Are there a bunch of dead people partying on catafalks? Like, what the fuck is going on, Richard? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just play guitar. Yeah, <laughs> like I say, I just work here. <laughs> yeah, I'm just told to 
play the guitar parts and then I don't even know what the lyrics are until the album comes out. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I have no idea. <laughs> so. It's like people, people try to ask me about like things in the star set story, you know, like stuff from the book or they're like trying to extract information from me. I'm like, I honestly have no idea. <laughs> you have right. to ask Dustin about that. Yeah. You just say, if I told you I'd have to kill you and then you just walk right. away. Right. Yeah. I can't pull that off though. I'm not good at the poker face. <laughs> you know what you should do? You should just pretend you don't speak English. Me? Yeah. I, I could maybe it's, get away with no, that. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like, so when I used to play in this band clone, which is with my buddy, Greg, who's now actually a producer on the show um, with Sharon Osbourne, the, the talk. That's what mm. he does for a living. But we were in this band called clone, which was this like uh, uh, KMFDM stylish band. And he, he said, anytime we did an interview, since I didn't know my ass from my elbow, just say, <laughs> just be like, don't, I don't I don't speak English. <laughs> but you speak English the rest of the time. Well, yeah, well, then, he, then, he, then he said, well, and I said, well, what language do I normally speak? And he's like, well, can you pretend to speak Russian or something? I'm like, well, it depends how stupid they are. But we would like talk and like pretend Russian to each other. Well, just pull a Jeffrey Epstein and plead the fifth for every question. Yeah, I plead the fifth. There you go. <laughs> so, Richard, how are you doing? How was your week? My week's been good. Really busy. Getting everything ready for a baby and a house move and continuing to work on the Cradle of Filth album, even though I finished the parts like three months ago. <laughs> I so I don't know how that works. The, the problem with this lockdown has been, uh, I finished my guitar parts, recorded all the parts, and was like, cool, I'm done. I'm just going to wait for the other guys to record their parts. And then I, I think due to lockdown, because our other guitar player can't fly into the UK to record his parts. Our bass player can't fly down from Scotland to record his parts. So Danny went in the studio because he lives locally to the studio. And I think what's happened, because he's been in the studio for the last three months, he's starting to overanalyze every single note. That's his mm. no. You know, he's been sat up, the album should have been done like a month ago, like completely finished. Yeah. We should have been like touring and doing the video shoot, photo shoots, everything. But because he's sat there like waiting for the album to finish, he's like going to the studio every day going, um, maybe we should change this bit. Maybe we should yeah. change that. <laughs> maybe we should add in a solo here, which is great because there's going to be more guitar solos on it than I was expecting. But all of a sudden I get a call going, Rich, can you like lay down another guitar solo? I'm going to finish the album. <laughs> I can see where he might, he might be that way though, because so another song, it's called West... Wester Vespertine. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? And it says active flowering or flourishing in the evening, which is synonymous, hold on, synonymous with crepuscular, which to me, I said, did he think to himself, do I use Vespertine or crepuscular? Because both of those are wicked metal sounding. They are. Which one's yeah. easy to scream? <laughs> Too many syllables. That's for himself quite a lot, where he kind of because he uses all these big words with a lot of syllables, and then he, he comes to play them live, and he's like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> 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 the number of times I've seen him go. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how Americans feel every day. <laughs> Is he like the Eminem of black metal? Yeah, I think so. Like our last two albums, I, I remember when I was in the studio doing this album, our producer who did the last two albums as well is like, I'm going to have to tell Danny about the number of syllables because he's really <laughs> fucking himself over when he comes to play music on live. But 
you know, it happens. He, he manages to pull it off somehow. Yeah, but, only eight minutes straight a song. No big deal. <laughs> you, you, uh, <laughs> yeah, you mentioned how you guys are kind of sitting on these songs and, and going back and overanalyzing. Um, yeah. And there's that kind of common uh, saying that, you know, art, art's never done. It's just abandoned or, or something along those lines, paraphrasing. So this, this situation with the whole lockdown is kind of forcing people. You can't really abandon it because it's just, it's stuck there right in front of you. And, exactly. uh, have you guys ever run into that? Uh, Siobhan, uh, Ben, I, I mean, I know that Ben and I have probably a thousand songs in our hard drives that are uh, abandoned, but not released. Is oh yeah. Something- All the time. I feel like that's like a, a daily occurrence for me is just like always aiming for perfection and never feeling like I always feel, I was telling someone the other day, like the idea I have in my head, like I never end up getting to a hundred percent of that. Like I always envision yeah. perfection and it usually has to settle around like 80 to 85% satisfaction. You, you want to know what fixes all of that? So one day I was, I, I had this chick tell me that I was the lower side of ideal. And I first realized, I thought like, wow, that's a really shitty thing. And the conversation continued after that. It's a really shitty thing to say, but then I I thought about it. And I realized the lower side of ideal is still better than most people. Better than average, I guess. Right, and then where you're always going for perfection, like that's never going to happen. So like if you just aim for the lower side of ideal, you're still aiming for better than most people. But like if you don't get perfection, it's like, eh, I still fucking won. Well, the best analogy I can think of is it, if you think of like the world of plastic surgery, like if you sit and look at your face for too long, you're eventually just going to get everything done to the point that you look like Catwoman. <laughs> so you have to maintain the perspective that your face needs to still look normal. <laughs> Benny, I need to the context. Why did she tell you that? At what point did she tell you this? I'm sure he triggered that statement. <laughs> Can what I did ple- you say right before can I, can that? Can I plead the yeah. fifth? Yeah. <laughs> smart, smart move. Can I plead the fifth? There you go. <laughs> so Richard, do you find yourself kind of getting to the point maybe with composing or writing where you do kind of have to just say, all right, this is, I'm going to move on. Or do you, or is that easy for you? Are, you? are you able to find that point where you're like, okay, this is good. This is done. It, it, it's gotten easier over yeah. the years. Um, I've kind of found a flow, especially with Cradle of Filth, there's a flow where I go, right, well, I'm happy with this song that I've written. I'm happy with it. And, but I'm, I've always been a very collaborative writer. So it gets to a point where it's like, right, okay, well, I'm happy with this, but I know it may not be 100% finished. So it's like, okay, I, 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 structure-wise, this makes sense to me. I'm happy with the parts. Let's hear what everyone else has to say, and that's when it truly becomes a song. Is when those guys get their hands right. on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As soon as we add drum parts and the keys, but like uh, Martin, our drummer, it actually plays and writes the keys on the album as well. Nice. It, well, I was it. actually very curious because I listened to a lot of it, and I wanted to know who act. Is there a guy in the band who decides where the disembodied evil church choir goes? <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's either like Danny will have a kind of idea or a concept for how he wants the album to sound. Um, or sometimes just things happen where it's like, okay, well, a choir seems to have come up pretty cheap. That's usually. <laughs> well, there may be, like, I, I remember on Hammer of the Witches, the first time I did, there was um, a lot of dulcimer for some reason. We had the idea of putting dulcimer on, on, on there. Uh, on Cryptoriana, there was a lot of choir. It was just, I think it was almost like a, like a mission objective with each album. It's like, okay, here are the songs, but how 
are we going to make it in- instrumentally different from the previous mm-hmm. album? Like give it its own, still sounds like Cradle, but it gives it its own. Baritone ukulele tune to drop slide A tuning. You're welcome. That's heavy as fuck, dude. And again, Benny, I'm going to say this a lot to you in my life, but thank you, Benny. Thank you (laughs) for improving my life. I mean, I'm just, just the fact I'm graced with your presence. I mean, I can't get over it. The fact when I get that Zoom invite, I'm like, oh my God, I get Benny again. I'm like, it's like oxytocin. Again. So thank you. <sighs> yeah, so while you're overcooking that album, add some baritone ukulele. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, let's throw everything in it. Don't, don't show this to Danny before production <laughs> is finished. Yeah. And it's going to be the first thank you at the top. It's like Craig Lathoff would like to thank Benny Goodman for his <laughs> <laughs> suggestion that made the album. I will tell you, if I do see my name in a cradle fill, thank you, uh, I, I will have made it. It's like, not I will tell you, I, I will totally, yeah. Probably not. <laughs> I'll let you know now, it's never going to happen. <laughs> I don't blame you. No, that's hard though, because there's so much you can do to like make something perfect, like digitally. And I struggle with this all the time too. It's like, yeah, I could sit and like edit down to like quantizing every little thing, but it's really hard to like keep that perspective of having the human balance. Like this needs to sound like this is how it was played live almost. You know, with yeah. violin, it's so easy because it's like, Inevitably, when you play, like you're going to scratch a note a little bit. Every live performance has that, but it feels emotional that way, you know, like mm-hmm. it's human, but you can get rid of all that stuff in digital recording. So it's, it's really hard to not go down that rabbit hole yeah. of endlessly editing, you know, yeah, I have a really hard time finding that threshold. Like, okay, this is, yeah. this is uh, like, not, not like being content, but like, this is actually good. It doesn't have to be yeah. any crazier. I've found that like mm-hmm. crippling anxiety from deadlines helps me make those decisions. Oh yeah, totally. It's like, All right, this, is, <laughs> this record's due in three days. I can probably leave the snare alone. It's fine. It sounds great. <laughs> well, I'll tell, you, I'll, I'll tell you a really cool exercise that I've been doing with Paul Lorenzo. Uh, uh, Lorenzo. Lorenzo. Okay, so what is it? We Lorenzo. haven't established. Lorenzo. Okay. Lorenzo, I'm fucking it up now. I have to retrain my brain back to what I originally had. Well, so (laughs) he hates any quantizing. He's like, you know, doesn't like any Aerosmith album past rocks. He doesn't like Def Leppard. Is he anti-click tracks? Like he doesn't want to play? No, no, he likes click track, but he wants it to sound live. And he thinks like, if you can't fucking play it, like what the fuck? And and he's such a, Corey can speak to it. He's such a tight player that he can, he can do, he can do that. You know what I mean? Like if you play live, like, so I tried learning how to like actually quantize drums and it sounded way worse. But first off, cause I, I don't do it naturally. Like Corey, Corey just fucking knows how to do it and make it sound right. Mine sounded rigid, but like <clears throat> I tried fixing all of Paul's drums just for him to be like, that has no feel. And he was totally <laughs> right. So what I've started doing is recording everything live, but I'll play a bass track 275 times, like start, stop, start, stop before I even take a take. And then I'll just do whole takes all the way through. And then mm-hmm. maybe I'll take a piece of that, a piece of that, and a piece of that. And they're all real takes. But if you can't yeah. play it like that, I don't want to do it. Because I've realized that editing it is such a art, but also such a bitch, that playing it right to me is cooler and more attainable than making it sound right like Corey does. 
because I don't know how to do that. <laughs> well, the trick is just don't, you don't over quantize it. You just kind of, you help the performance fit in with everything else. You don't want to go note by note and do all that stuff. So yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's a tricky balance, especially with modern music. Cause it, I think we've talked about this before. It has to yeah. be tight. It has to be locked in, especially with where our tracks have 150 things going on at the same time. If right. just three or four of those things aren't locked in, it just sounds sloppy. So it's, it's a, it's definitely a balance and finding, uh, a way to make it natural, but also still, you know, have that really modern tight sound is, is tricky. It's also hard when you're not like with people recording at the same time, you know, cause that's how I grew up is like orchestras get together and there's a conductor and we like record it at, like all at once, you know, mm -hmm. and there's that level of chemistry that happens. And we encountered this at, like working with at band camp. <laughs> no, but like when we were working with Marty, for example, you know, and he had like a very nuanced guitar track mm -hmm. and he didn't want it to be on a steady tempo on a click. And meanwhile, yeah. I'm trying to like play to something where I can't see the person. Yeah. This is and the way Marty Friedman hazes people, by the way. <laughs> He's like, no, by the way, I play with perfect feel, but I'm going to deliberately not play with the click track so that if you're even trying to write anything in any <laughs> form of grid, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I don't blame him like that. It does have more of an effect that way, but it's, yeah, it's like, <laughs> I blame him. No, <laughs> but I mean, it, it's something that's way easier when you're just all together, but when you're trying to do it remotely, that's when it becomes a total bitch, you know? Yeah, but, yeah absolutely. Yeah, a sweet child of mine story. Do you know about recording sweet child of mine? Uh-uh. Enlighten us. Yeah, yeah tell us. It's the, the way we recorded the albums, uh, especially the first three albums, was like they did it all together in a room and then basically the vocals and the lead guitar were recorded separately. Mm -hmm. So if you did Sweet Child of Mine, played as a band and then it was like, right, Slash, now it's time to record the intro part. And because there was no click, oh God. you did it over and over and over again and he'd always come in either early or late. Yeah. The rest mm -hmm. of the band, so that's why if you listen really closely, ever so slightly speeds up towards the end because it's like, that's the closest he got it. Wow. Uh, because they're like, right, and record. And it was yeah. like, how long do I wait before I stop playing? <laughs> that's, and, uh, you know what, I, 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 can, I have empathy for Slash, because man, like that is such a fucking thing. <laughs> like when you're trying to like, not polish a turd, because what a great song. <laughs> but like you're trying to make something that's organic sound right, but it's not to a click. And like, yeah, yeah. that's just, that's just me. Yeah, they just didn't think about it when they were producing. They're like, right, we've got this incredible rhythm track. Shit, we didn't like do any kind of counting, not even like thinking. Well, you, 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 listen, at that time, Axl Rose didn't, it was like two hours <laughs> late to his meeting to meet with the record label because he thought someone stole his glasses. I don't know if you know that. That's true. Like he almost didn't Where even do you make find it. these facts. Oh, because I'm a nerd. I read about this shit online. But like literally, he nothing has changed. You know what I'm saying? Like he literally was like, somebody stole my fucking glasses. And they're like, we gotta go, Axel. Like we have a, a thing with Geffen Records. And he's like, no, my fucking glasses. Two hours late, they're like, he's coming. He's coming. He's coming. Then he shows up with his fucking, you know, like welcome to the jungle look. Like, ah! I'm sure he played well, uh, you know, Sweet Child of Mine. Slash played it 7,000 times. It's fucking perfect. And honestly, I wouldn't blame him. It's perfect. Mike Klink, yeah. God bless you for dealing with that yeah. shit. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, however they did it, it's perfect. Yeah. yeah. And and Guns N' Roses is, is kind of funny because they are the epitome of that not to the grid, but mm -hmm. still 
super tight and super, whereas you can kind of tell, especially bands around that time that weren't to the grid and you can hear that you, um, and justice for all, especially if you listen now, say you're doing a playlist with a bunch of modern music and justice and then, for all. I can't listen to it anymore. It hurts my feelings. <laughs> I didn't realize that my whole childhood is ruined now yeah. because I'm like, Oh my God, they have no time. Yeah. And, and, and there's a ton of, ton of albums like that where you never noticed it until you compare it a, a to B with what's going on today. And it's like, ah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's well, like, I notice, especially when I'm learning like these guitar covers, you know, I try to put like, cause I want to record it and I try to put like a click on it just to see like, what's the tempo. And I, most of the time just don't, I'm like, there's Any luck with not. Jason Richardson? <laughs> I, I, I'm being told I have to learn a Jason Richardson. Well, no, because she said that she wants to learn something hard. So we had Jason Costa from All That Remains. And she had <laughs> never heard Jason Richardson. And Richard, I'm assuming you're not living in a fucking box. And you know who that crazy uh, savant maniac is. is. I was like, you want to learn something difficult? Try hose yeah. down. Because it's, I, I mean, I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's music even, but it's hard. <laughs> we'll find out when I try to learn it. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, uh, do you have any like uh, guitarists that you're keeping up with right now that you, that you watch maybe you know, Instagram or YouTube? Oh. Anyone, maybe that's, that's not quite so well known. I would say it, it depends what you count as well known because obviously there are some people on, on certain scenes. And certain right. Yeah. Shows. Maybe that was probably a poor choice of words, but someone that maybe that you're following that maybe you'd like yeah. more people, more I people mean, to know about. Like Matteo Sassato for me oh, yeah. is, he's is ridiculous. up there. He, yeah, man, he's, he's awesome. He's so good. Um, Tosin, Tosin Obasi was, was one of them from ages ago and he's still pushing the boundaries out there. And Jason Richardson's one. Um, Corey Wong. Mm. Really, really loving Corey Wong's stuff at the moment. Um, really, really getting... Have you seen that wow. guy? I, I want to say he's like from Germany. His name's like Manuel something. And he plays like the super Nuno-y style rhythms, but ridiculously fast. And we'll cover like Justin Bieber and stuff. He's completely <laughs> banana. Dude, I got to share this guy to you. It's, it's hard because like, okay, that Mateo guy. Um, I, I went and saw him. Um, I went and checked out his page because I saw Nuno like one of his things that he covered a Nuno solo. We all love Nuno. Let's admit it. Like it's, we all love Nuno. And Nuno wrote something super nice to him. It was like, oh my God, this guy's inspiring me. But then I went and watched one of his solos. It was like a minute and 40 seconds long. And he said, this is the longest improvised solo I've done. And I'm like, oh my God, this guy only plays like 40 seconds of insane genius. And God, it's unbelievable. But like, that's such a different world where you have these guys that are learning these insane techniques, learning how to like basically create these super things that even Nuno, for example, thinks is amazing. But like, this guy may have never played in a real band, ever. That's like he's never, like, you've never played longer than a minute and 47 seconds. Like I, I've held out one note for that long. Yeah, <laughs> this is the weird thing I'm noticing right now. Cause I, I did a guest solo for one of my old students. He is, um, um, yeah, I told him, few years ago but he ended up auditioning for the college that I went to and he's just finishing that college and he asked for like his final dissertation if I would happily do like a, a, a guest solo on his EP and his EP just came out on, on Friday that's awesome and, well, that's and awesome congratulations he thought it was like a really cool bookend because I taught him and then like now finishing his college degree oh with, wow with having his tutor on there who got him helped get him into the college and stuff. So that was really cool. So there's moments of me and him like sparring on this on this record. It's really, really cool. And he's he's become a bit of a f- 
technical freak. But mm-hmm. we're not coming back to what we were saying in time that this with that was there's almost seems to be I've noticed this with a lot of students of mine, where because of everything's to the grid and a lot of stuff is auto-tuned, as well as technical ability is being pushed, because we're all standing on the shoulders of giants, right. taking what they've done and like pushing it further. Um, there seems to be like this new thing where you've got some musicians, it, it seems to be complete extremes. You've got some musicians who are like, all I need are like four chords and a capo. I don't need to learn any more stuff because that's what Ed Sheeran does. But Ed Sheeran's a much better guitar player than he lets on. I'll oh, yeah. I'm, sure, I'm, yeah. I have all the respect for Ed Sheeran. Just for record. But a lot of people do. They look at Taylor Swift and they shouldn't go, well, I only need to learn four chords. What's the point? And then you've got the opposite, which is almost they've been used to quantized drums, auto-tune vocals to the point where their timing and their pitch is stupidly accurate. So it's, it's kind of really weird. I've got a lot of singer friends now that they've like got uh, – 14, 15-year-old students who their p- pitch is astounding because they're just so used to hearing... Well, it's crazy. Well, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, it's nature-nurture. With, with, with Jason Richardson, the thing that was unnerving to me when I went and saw um, All That Remains was... So I love Ollie. I think he's a, he was a great guitarist. He's one of my favorites ever. But, mm. like, he wasn't perfect. He was very much a human being. And as, like, we were talking with Jason Costa, he slings, slung webs on stage and he, like, played the wizard and he's doing all these things. <laughs> and then you go and see Jason Richardson. And it's, like, if Ollie practiced a million times harder at his own parts and then had, like, backing tracks to his parts. And he's just sitting there. And, like, Jason even told me afterwards, like, if, if he doesn't get a sound check, he's, like, bummed out. Because, like, this guy is serious. He's, like... He's like the lawnmower man of guitar players. He like just sits there and he's like, oh, you know this new technique? And there's like some guy tapping uh, a thing on a, on acoustic with like, you know, a harp guitar. Jason Richardson has it mastered within 13 minutes. And like, but with that said, I, I say to everybody, as much as that is amazing, and I take absolutely nothing away from the technical prowess of that, emotion has been stripped away of a lot of these recordings. So you have a lot of these guitar mm-hmm. players now who are playing these incredibly, insanely technical parts, but they forget the most important part, your balls. You gotta play <laughs> it's with not, some it's balls. not where I thought that was going. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, I think kidding. maybe the heart. Like, I can't no. do that. It's no, like, the soul, play, the heart, the, the soul. Love, the, no, I'm just the kidding. Balls. It, this, the balls. The soul and the heart of it. Because the thing is like, when you're playing that fast, it's very hard to have like, actual feel and and like there are some of these guys like you're saying they sound like their feel is quantized like that's their feel it's just yeah. perfect well and it's interesting because this is something that you learn a lot about in orchestra because you get used to following conductors and a lot of times like that's kind of where i derive a lot of my feel like if you're thinking about like a quarter note click you know and your mind is just like click 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 you totally lose the trajectory of the phrase you know, if you're just thinking from beat to beat. And that's, that, I think that's, yeah, a lot of times what happens. If you're, if you're experiencing is that a lot like of the times- Cartesian thought way is like only <laughs> a beat at a time exists and that's all that matters. And that like the, the candle over here is not the same as the burnt piece of wax, even well, no, though it may both be 120 and 120. Well, no, but it's, it's just like if you're somebody that practices with a metronome 100% of the time, it might lead you down the road to play a little bit differently than if you practice with a metronome 50% of the time. You know, like you want to have Absolutely. a good pulse, but you also don't want to be completely tied to the idea of a single beat, you know? So, I mean, it could just be, yeah, a lot of people, and I don't know, I'm not a guitar player, obviously, but, you know, maybe a lot of the young 
budding guitar players are sitting at home playing with click tracks, you know, jamming to stuff. And that's, that's a lot of the jamming experience, you know, it's not playing off the grid with people. Yeah. That's what I find weirdly enough with a lot of my students who are technically brilliant, but they've never played in a band and they mm-hmm. don't know. And it freaks me out. It's like they're, they're stupidly gifted lead players. Cause they've learned mm-hmm. like what the, well, they're like the guy at the gym with super huge muscles up here with like the smallest chicken legs. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because it's like it's that's a pretty great, good analogy. No, yeah, because it's like great, man. All right, so you're going to the beach, but it's like you're not really living it. It's like you know, like, and I'm not. This is not dissing Matt from from Lost Symphony, but like Matt when he first started playing, worshipped Ollie, and then Corey and I worked with him in the studio. Matt is like technically leaps and bounds beyond Ollie was, but where Ollie, um, you know, for me takes the cake was that he was able to compose stuff. So it's weird where he was like super focused on the best composition. You have these guys nowadays that are just super focused on getting these techniques and they don't realize like these techniques are only cool. If you wield, it's like, you don't go to a party and just go look at me, sweet pick. Yeah. There's got to be a reason for you it. You have to take right. a holistic approach to everything. Like you, the, you can be the fastest shredder in the world, but if you have no rhythm, then it's useless. And you can have great rhythm. And uh, like a lot of people, for some reason, a lot of drummers switch to like a rhythm guitar sometimes. I think if they get sick of lugging drums around. And uh, it's it's funny because they're like, I, I love listening to drummers play guitar because it's like they're so percussive and, and locked in. But at the same mm-hmm. time, don't ask them to do a solo. It's... <laughs> <laughs> in my in my yeah. experience but yeah that you have to kind of have all those different things to to really be the whole package except nowadays you don't because of computers so like whereas you said richard that that nowadays a lot of people have that perfect pitch and rhythm because that's what they're used to i find that a lot of people have found that it's easy to get away with not having that because they can pay someone in a studio to make it sound like that. And then they can walk around telling people that they're phenomenal. I'm like, just listen to this. Don't listen to me playing here. Listen to this recording. Uh-huh. And, well, and that doesn't translate awesome. to live yeah. very producers, well. Yeah. Producers are becoming more and more artists because like what, so before, like, just like makeup, like, just like makeup, like back in the day, I'm sure you, you know, you put on makeup like fifties, but I'm sure someone's going to kill me for this. We're like, <laughs> put on makeup, you know, lipstick, a little this or that. Now you can transform motherfuckers. It's the same thing. Like, you know, back in the day, if you were Roy Smeck and you were playing the ukulele in the 1920s, you had to actually do that. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you could probably do little things here and there to make it better or, or whatever. But that was it. Now you can do everything. So the question is very much Jeff Goldblum based. Just because you can, should you? <laughs> that was that was a that was a great left turn. I've got an image of Jeff Goldblum just like you know you, you know in Jurassic Park where it's just like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not gonna like under- get the chest, chest hair hanging out. Yeah, not quite as sexy as the fly. Oh, that's a sexy movie. That is a sexy movie. <laughs> Said no one ever. No. <laughs> no, but it's interesting. But, you know, I mean, I think that's what being versatile helps you with that. You know, if you have a breadth of different experiences and you're not just playing kind of the same genre, the same practice, even the same practice methods, you know, mm-hmm. like it's it's important to have that diversity because I think that's where you derive a lot of your 
musical feel, the ability I feel to- like we should just edit this conversation and just put it for like the LBGTQ plus community because <laughs> it applies exactly the same thing. I guess. Well, be versatile, be open-minded. <laughs> Take it in and just compose however you want and look from others' perspectives. Sometimes go with the pulse and sometimes let them lead with the pulse. Absolutely. It's non-binary. <laughs> Musical right. fluid. I'm bringing that into our vernacular. Yes. Musical fluid. Musical fluidity is very important. Well, because uh, I sent you something the other day. You told me it wasn't even in a mode. I was like, why does this sound creepy? You're like, it's a bunch of sharp force. I'm like, is it augmented? You're like, well, it's kind of minor and this and that. I'm like, still don't get it. I still don't understand music. <laughs> I, I, I am so lost at this point. No, he sent me that. What was the show from? It was succession. like Succession. Uh, so the, the, the show Succession on HBO okay, has right. the most yeah. unbelievable like piano, violin. I want to do it. I think I think I want to do a cover. It's of like an song. orchestral type thing. Yeah, but it's, it's like really it's cool. like sort of in a minor key, but it has this like sharp four thing. So it kind of sounds modal, but it's not really in a mode. I mean, it's not a super interesting thing to talk about. It was just <laughs> just to fill you in. <laughs> I'm interested now that I know what's going on. <laughs> just <laughs> sharp fourths. What's happening right now? I don't know. <laughs> All right. So, Richard, how's uh, how is the world over on your side of the world right now? Is it is it getting is it trending crazier or less crazier? Less crazier. Less crazy than it was. Um, still pretty crazy. I think we we seem to be like I don't know like the Diet Coke of America. <laughs> Whatever's happening in the states. We've got like, like a more, the Adderall to our, our, our crystal meth. <laughs> what? <laughs> Diluted version of what's happening. Yeah. What's yeah. happening? Isometrically similar, but still not the fucking same. Smaller scale, it seems. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we react to a lot of the same stuff in similar ways to what we see on the news. Dude, it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, I just put on the news and watch about two minutes and go, that's enough for today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you ever think to yourself, how are you going to explain this to your new child? The worst side of everything is happening right now, and nobody seems to be talking about the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what Gee, it's in her shirt. Look at that shirt Siobhan's trying to sport. Lead with love. And then on the bag says, just kidding, 2020. <laughs> we can repurpose it for that. Two zero two zero dash d dot com. Yes. Have we have we brought up our, our sponsor yet? This, this well, show? I was just about to say yeah. that. So uh, oh, I don't have it here. Lost Symphony, uh, Chapter One. You can check out. Uh, you can check out Richard <laughs> on premeditated destruction. And actually, um, you know, we're trying to involve Richard more on this on this next record. Um. Chat wall. He's not on chapter two. He didn't like us. Oh yeah! Wow! Yeah, the vinyl looks it great. Came. Yeah. So yeah, it's still in in the in the cling film. We call it cling film. I don't know what you call it. But I've never heard that before. Uh, kind of <laughs> I like that though. Cling plastic thing. wrap. <laughs> is it is it a condom or is it a rubber? shrink wrap? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah is like it a, a bubbler or is it a water fountain? It's, it's, I, I don't know. I, without getting too rude, I know Benny. You want to take it vulgar, you know. I'm going to keep it clean, but uh, no, I'm keeping it in there because I'm going to like sell it for quite a lot of money. Like that, that, that's that's the Glad idea. Like, so. I, I wish you the best. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. 
<laughs> like, we ordered a thousand. There's like eight hundred and ninety-seven other ones just waiting. But like you know, with the cling wrap. Yeah. What'd you say? Yeah, I was just thinking. You know, how last time I was on, I was thinking, what are the chances of a lost symphony tour? I was just uh-huh. thinking chances of getting everybody who was involved to sign it. Yeah. Oh, we wow. talked. We talked about that. I have a guitar yeah. that's the closest thing, uh, but yeah. We would that have would to involve a lot of world. Yeah, I know. It would involve a lot of shipping. Yes. Yeah. Various <laughs> locations. <laughs> but we definitely, I mean, look, the hope is, so I, I was joking around about possible merchandise for, for 2020 because, you know, um, we made this podcast because of Lost Symphony. Our, our, our marketing team, who are made up of really pretty smart marketing <laughs> LostSymphony.com. Lost said, hey, man, maybe you should do something like what other people are doing, like podcasts. Because, like, you know, you're <laughs> like, like David Lee Roth, but you don't have – because you don't sing in this band, so you don't get to go like, ha give me a pencil. So, like, maybe you could do this <laughs> podcast thing. And now they're like, well, maybe this will get more people to like Lost Symphony. I'm like, wait a minute. So, like, I thought about the shirt. She just said, like, 2020, and on the back said, I just wanted to sell music, but then I got the stupid podcast. <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, so that's the, that, if anyone wants to really know what the deal is with this podcast is because we're all musicians, but we realize that like for a whole lifetime, like my entire lifetime, like nobody's given a flying hell and it's so hard to make it. And, 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 and Richard, you know, everyone from Richard to, you know, we're talking to, we talked to David Abrazis from Pearl Jam. He was telling us that when he sold a million records in a week, his band was still making four hundred dollars a month a person. They were paying themselves four hundred dollars a month a person. Paying yeah. themselves, yes. <laughs> you got you got a, quite a bit of debt when you have a record yeah. deal. So they were trying to get yeah. that down. Yeah, which is kind of Jedi. <laughs> yeah, it's actually so. impressive. I don't know if I had, I would have that constraint like that that level of like, yeah, no, we, we'll just we'll live on four hundred. But guys, what if we just? Well, you know what? Like, <laughs> the they were so popular. What if we just do us a little more? Dude, yeah. that was the time where you could probably go and hang out at chicks' houses and they're like, mom would cook you dinner. Those guys were totally, we got to ask David about that. Those guys were probably hanging out and like they had friend, the hoes in different area codes. They're all set. <laughs> Pearl Jam had their friends. They're good. Everyone was Hose in up. different area codes. That's ludicrous. Don't get mad at me. <laughs> Sounds uh, like a slogan tan- for yeah. another t-shirt. <laughs> tan- tangently related to that, not quite. Uh, we were, when we were talking to Jason Costa, uh, and we were talking about he Ollie. loves ludicrous. Yeah, we were talking. We were talking about Ollie and how uh, he had this like network uh, of fans <laughs> and friends in all different industries and he would yeah. always he would he would know he would know a guy in every industry that loved the band and, and you know to, to, get, to get train tickets if you needed to like take a train somewhere or, or i got, I got a guy at the, at the laundromat i know a guy in the laundromat i get yeah. my whites done and they're fucking great so, they're so white <laughs> richard do you ever uh leverage <laughs> your your insane status as a rock star to get free uh dry cleaning or anything um no. <laughs> because what, I'm not really a rock star. Like I think I mentioned before, like people know Cradle of Filth, yeah. but nobody knows who I am. Not even Cradle of Filth fans know who I am. <laughs> the number of times I've played shows and there's been like a front row of screaming girls going, Oh my god And then I've literally gone straight out after the show like to meet some friends or whatever and I held the door open for all these girls and not a single thank you <laughs> I'm like, oh I hate that well, well was that in the US or was that abroad because that sounds like a very American that, thing to do was, um, 
I was only about an hour away from my home waiting. Oh, <laughs> those. Like, oh well. <laughs> they should know better. Everyone else just like that. And like 10 minutes prior, they're like, oh my God, I love you. And I genuinely had no idea who I was. Yeah, that was another thing we talked about. Oh, so especially funny. With bands. Yeah, with, with bands that have the uh, the imagery and everything, and, and and especially with like any costume, you you step off stage and you're, you, no one cares. <laughs> you know? I if I told you guys, I told someone else this recently about like somebody was like, "What's it like to be famous?" I was like, "This is what it's like to be famous in Cradle of Filth." When you go on the Cradle of Filth like forums and stuff like every now and again, I'll talk to them. There'll be people go they're going like with pictures of the rest of the guys in the band, but not me. <laughs> and and it's like and and then they say things like I didn't get to meet Richard. What a dick! The <laughs> 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 best response I give is, "Who do you think took the photos?" <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that happens, especially in the states. It happens a lot. Where they're like, I got five out of six members of a band, but Rich just like kept himself to himself. What a dick! Like, and I was there with one going. I'm actually the one who like. That's so funny. That that happens to me sometimes too. Like chicks that'll come up and like want pictures with all the guys or whatever, and they'll think that I'm like just one of the girlfriends, you know, that's hanging out backstage like with my pass, and I'm taking the picture. And like the whole time, I mean, I don't say anything. Obviously, it's not you know. I mean, I'm wearing all sorts of stuff. They may may not recognize me, but yeah, it's it's next funny. Next time, next time, just take a selfie instead, even though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to autograph that? Here you go. <laughs> yeah, so, but, but that's the thing. So I'm not necessarily famous, but there are the connections that you do. Mm-hmm. So like, things where you go, like guest list for certain shows. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's a connection to something which always helps out. So yeah, it's it's, it's pretty good because I think I've got the the perfect uh, the perfect level of fame I would like is to be the drummer in Coldplay. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is. I know who he is because I'm a cold, play, well, early Coldplay fan. I'm going to leave him later. Well, let me ask you. Let me ask you this: If he, if you were seeing him in a giant in a giant arena, and some like let's say his drum tech decided to pretend he was him, would you know? I would know because I'm a Coldplay fan. But most Coldplay fans who are quite casual, like, probably wouldn't know. And uh, my a friend of mine is in a band called uh, Bastille. I don't know if you've heard of Bastille. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, of course. I, I, I went to university with him. He's one of my best friends. Wow, and okay. uh, he's the drummer. And he said a similar thing. And they supported Coldplay on a stadium tour. Mm-hmm. And he said the same thing. He was like, yeah, I've got, I'm in a band that sold like three number one albums and nobody knows who I am. And it's great. <laughs> yeah. And, right? Whereas his singer can't go on the underground in London at all. He gets mobbed everywhere he goes. But as the yeah. drummer, nobody knows who I am. Yet, um, and this is the thing he said as well. He was like, like to be the drummer in Coldplay, technically you're just as... Um, you're doing the exact same things and you're just as wealthy because they, Coldplay split everything. Every song they've ever done is, a, is 25%, 25, mm. 25%, 25%. Wow. Um, split completely down the middle. And so he's as wealthy, gets to do the same things, but nobody thinks he's a dick because he's not <laughs> remarkable. So it's like, that is the perfect level of fame. Nobody knows yeah. who he is. He can just walk around and nobody bothers him. And my friend in Bastille says he's pretty much the same. He's there going, yeah, my bank account's not bad, but nobody knows who I am. <laughs> the show, and he can go in the crowd and nobody bothers him. 
a buddy of mine is the touring drummer for Scott Stapp of Creed. Oh, wow. Um, and and I, I met him down in Nashville. He was actually the drummer for the band I was playing with down there. Those Nashville guys just get around there musical horse but um <laughs> he's he's a great dude great dude and, and he came through boston and so i hit him up and uh me, me and a buddy went and checked out the show he got us in we, we watched it and afterwards he came out to the lobby and uh he's uh he's kind of recognizable because he's, he's a kind of bigger dude he's got tattoos and a, and a shaved head but like for the most part like a couple people stopped and took pictures and everyone else kind of he'd shake hands and everything and then we were just sitting right in the entrance way shooting the shit for a while and uh after about five minutes, as, as everyone's walking past us, people just assumed that me and my buddy were in the band because we were standing next to the guy that was in the band. And we had a bunch of people ask for pictures of us. <laughs> and like, I was like, how far do we take this with like ruining people's things? <laughs> it's funny you said Coldplay because when I actually was um, first going to Northeastern, um, I, I used to sit in the, when I was a freshman, I would sit in the quad with my guitar and my long hair, you know, and then, and that's how you, you thought we'd get the chicks. And then there was always the other guy, my, in this case, my friend Mauricio from Peru, um, that sat there, but he, but, but he learned English in like a British school. So he spoke with a really super cool and like sophisticated sounding accent. So girls all, and he sang really, really like, he sounded like a mixture of like silver chair and, you know, everything that was like popular at the time. Yeah. So he'd always be like, oh yeah, you didn't know it was an Oasis. <laughs> or like, and girls would believe him. And like, he would wow. just get people to smoke him up on weed. Cause he'd be like, oh yeah, dude, I just came out with that new song. And like, uh, uh, I'm falling even farther close to you. <laughs> and then he'd just come up with whatever stupid pop song that week. And they'd be like, oh my God, you are that guy. Cause he had like the long hair. He was from Peru, but he was like still like Anglo Saxon looking. So like, yeah, they always thought he was from like one of those bands and he would say cold play every once in a while, but this was 2000. So like, you know, uh, it's cool. He smoked a lot of weed for free. Cause he was in the band. Yeah. That's just, that's just like being like in a, you know, the Coldplay drummer. You're just as famous. Yeah. Just, just say you're the singer of another band and you're good. I wonder if a drummer from Coldplay tells people he's the drummer of Coldplay. Coldplay people just go, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if it happens sometimes. It's like at festivals when people, I think I told this story. I don't know if it was with you, uh, with you, Richard, or with someone else, but when I went out into like the, yeah, the German festival where the guy was like, oh no, you didn't play on the other stage. I was like, oh, that's, that's fine. <laughs> You're like, you yeah. can Google me. <laughs> it's a good position to be in. <laughs> Yeah. Don't so, ever say that to anyone ever again, Benny. Like, <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that because there's all you'd ever find is like you know I, I had to introduce myself to everybody in my neighborhood within like a two square mile area. Oh, it's like, don't do that. Don't look me up. You don't want nothing. You're gonna find is gonna lead to anything good. <laughs> Other than the jazz musician that if you haven't just discovered the wonderful clarinet playing of Benny Goodman, oh um, yeah, you should because he was fantastic. Yeah, I'm not the, him. That's the one good thing. If uh, if you ever do get in a situation where you have to plead the fifth, Ben, no one will be able to look you up because they're just going to find that guy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, my God. There's like you can hide in the. Uh, in the, in the I 2020'd him with my own name. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so actually, so going back to, to Lost Symphony, we just sent you a new song, Richard. Um, I would love to know what you think of it because, um, well, no pressure. What's the correct answer here? <laughs> no, honestly, if you hated it, that would just honestly be just, as, fun. That'd be just as funny. Well, it, the, the honest answer is it's uh, fucking terrible. Yeah, okay. Uh, 
that's, no, what, no. that's what we're going for. So that's good. <laughs> um, so, so that's that's when I've got to be really careful with my British sense of humour. Where it's like, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I'm sarcastic. I've got to be really careful about that. But uh, no, honestly, I love it. I really, really love the, the Andrew Lloyd Webber kind of vibe of it. And it's just, I was listening to like the guitar parts that were already down on that. And I was like, it sounds amazing as it is. It's just really, really Angel cool. Vivaldi and Kelly, um, who's yeah. like our resident guitar maniac in Lost Symphony. Um, both of those guys we sent it to them and they were like, why don't you listen to this? We didn't tell them to play on it. And they're like, here you go. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, then like both, both of them, like we had written it for other people and both of them just put those solos on there. And we're just like, well, what? Do, <laughs> yeah. They, they, just like just a lot. they just stuck their flag in it. Like mine <laughs> claimed. <laughs> well, but it was actually a real cool honor because like yeah. a lot of times, like people like Angel Vivaldi, I have to beg him or send him like shirtless pictures of myself uh, for him to send me a guitar solo back. And like that Same song, one. he just said, he just, he just, he just sent it back to me. It was like, here you go. And I'm like, what do you mean here? I didn't want you to play it. Well, it's there. I'm like, <laughs> okay. And then we listened to it and Corey and I were like, fuck, this is yeah, so it's good. Yeah, really beautiful, like, that line he wrote. Yeah. yeah so, the so, only thing I don't like about what he did when he replayed it is he didn't end on the same seventh uh, inversion that he did no on one, the first one. Yeah, no one knows so, what I'm talking Yeah, but I've been saying that Angel, like, <laughs> why? It was so perfect the first time. But that said, yeah, that song was written for other people, and then Angel and Kelly were just like, just kidding. So now we're like, hey, man, why, um, why don't you play on it and um, tell us what you think? Because after I think all of us, you know, heard you talking on the last episode, we are like, dude, that guy would be perfect. He's so musical and like your background, mm -hmm. you know, the fact that you knew Leonard Bernstein, it's like, you know, when you go on a, on, on a date and you're like, oh, she knows Leonard Bernstein. And she even, she likes my music. It's not pretending. <laughs> so like, we're, I, I, we'd be honored to have you if you'll do it because it's part of a trilogy for, uh, for Ollie, um, for our chapter three, if you will, or chapter 11, not sure what our record label has decided <laughs> yeah, right. yet. Um, so uh, if you'd be willing to play on it, um, we'd be very excited. I, I would love to play it on it, but like as it is, I'm like, oh my god, it's the bar is set very high, and it's uh, I hate to ruin it. Oh my god, no way! Only will tell you, and then you'll just have to redo it. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's the thing is with Marty Friedman, you can't exactly say to Marty Friedman, "Hey man, I don't like that solo." Cause that doesn't really fly. Cause like, yeah, don't, don't tell you. Marty that he's don't, wrong. Don't tell Marty he's wrong. And here's yeah. the thing is just so you know, he, Marty isn't wrong ever. You're wrong. And like, if once you understand <laughs> that, you'll, you'll realize that music is better. We have, we have literally rearranged songs around what he sent us back. No, it's, <laughs> like, yeah. like, every single time like, he's like, damn it. This is way better. We this, is, this, is, this is what Marty does. Marty goes, Oh my God, I love that. But, but then there's like all the sidebars of like, and like, <laughs> This here isn't as interesting if you just did this and well, hold on. And then by the next morning, he like recorded 74 tracks. <laughs> he sent you a whole new interlude. And like a lot of the times he'll send you or so just a much different stuff. song. Yeah. He'll send you a different <laughs> song. You're like, bro, you like went so off the deep end. So really the best thing to do is to take what Marty sends you and then to reintegrate it into what you're doing. But that said, every single thing that he always, that he ever says, it's always better. And his parts, like, there's never, ever been anything that that guy has ever sent me. And I said, why did he do that? Or that sounded like shit. 
I mean, other than he would take my leads or melodies out of songs, that I don't understand. <laughs> but then he would give me awesome leads, and I'm like, well, now it's 17 minutes long because now we have to put that lead in too, Marty. Fuck well, you. That's all to say that the song the song structures can always be flexible yes. to add genius. Yeah, so that's <laughs> so that is most likely you. what will be the scenario. So if you come up with a melodic idea and we're, we're more than we – so I think Kelly did enough of the shredding in that song we'd be more interested in maybe a melodic idea or something like super, yes. super composed. Sing to um, us with your guitar. Yes, sing, yeah. Be the lead vocalist <laughs> for this. Uh, and if, if you hear um, a part being reprised or whatever, like we're open to the idea of changing the song around malleably. Um, if you want to have more say, because we don't want this to be solo here, then there's somebody else and solo here. Then somebody else. Like we, we want it to be one complete idea. And something mm-hmm. that you had said was, you know, a lot of people send timestamps and then they don't listen to the whole song. You're like, I always listen to the whole song. How do you know what, what the whole melodic idea is leading up to? And I was like, man, you're just speaking to my heart. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny, strange. It's like, where do I solo? Okay. And they just listen to the part they're soloing over and then decide, now I'm just going to do what I do over it. And it's, yeah, that's kind of pointless. Well, it's like jamming to a jam track with a click. Yeah, it's like, what? where do you go with that? <laughs> you get into dangerous territory of like kind of touching on what we were on about last time. It's like, like students or younger players that have only played to a click track or to backing tracks. And it's like, well, hang on a minute. Context is everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you have the opportunity to write. So here's the thing. Where both Angel and, and Kelly play unbelievably where I see you coming in is writing a memorable melody that you can hum every, every note to it. Like that's the cool thing about Iron Maiden is that they'll go like, because they literally know every single note in every country, whether they speak English or not, because they write leads, even though they may not be Eddie Van Halen, Dave Murray, you know, Adrian Smith, Janet Gers writes leads that a lot of people can hum everywhere. And that's sort of where I, thought that you could add value was take this idea that we have, which by the way, happens to be personally one of my favorite piano pieces I've composed um, and play it enough times where you go, I hear this melody. Like Dave, like, like the only way I could say, and again, no pressure, like, you know, David <laughs> Gilmore saying, okay, here's 10 minutes of nothingness and shine on your crazy diamond. How do I make that not boring? Yeah. Yeah. No pressure. Right. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> No pressure at all, Richard. Okay. <laughs> no, well, at least at least we know you can handle some, you know, odd time and some some kind of weird, oh, yeah. structurally things. So we got we got faith in you, man. <laughs> and actually, for the next podcast, we have another question for you. But this this wasn't the question because we already kind of talked offline about this. But we just we wanted to know your your opinions because you know if, if you don't like us, we just won't ask you back on the show. <laughs> It's true. This is this is purely just some calculated career move. <laughs> I like Did it. I not just admit that like twenty five minutes ago that this whole show is just a ruse to sell our record? LostSymphony.com <laughs> chapter one. Chapter one LostSymphony.com. <laughs> <laughs> oh guys, I don't have mine with me. Oh, That's fine, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I really think though that we should steal like like a stupid mm-hmm. saying like lead with love and then put like just kidding twenty twenty on the back. Yeah, was- Why not? With love, but I hate this record. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> or, or my, like my favorite, like typo negative, the least worst of typo negative was yeah. the greatest hits. <laughs> 
we're uh, we are coming up on the end of this hour. So I guess Richard, why don't you talk about uh, how people can find you? You're you're still doing lessons. You're still doing those killer underrated riff videos that everyone should check out. We all love those, by the yeah. way. Yeah. My favorite so far has definitely got to be the Will Smith one, though, because that riff, like, I, I, if I, if Rage Against the Machine got that with their drum, like, like that could be a rage tune, dude. That could be a rage tune. Put a little bit of, like, whammy pedal in it. it it's got the, like, dude, just watching your head. That's my favorite part. It's not even listening to it, just watching Richard go. <laughs> <laughs> Riffs where you just go, I, I can't stay still. Yeah. yeah. That's what music sh- should do. If it sure. I mean, Will Smith had a song called "Not Like Black Suits Come In." Nod your head if you don't <laughs> nod your head to it. Like it's not been done very well. <laughs> you know, if, it, and it, if there's something about that song that makes you go, "Damn it!" Weird enough, but like I've got some Rage Against Machine ones planned, but weirdly enough. Uh, Rage Against Machine. I, I can't hear Rage Against Machine now without thinking of Andrew Lloyd Webber, which is a bit strange. That's a, a very weird synapse of created in your brain, Richard. Like, they're a Rage Against Machine riff, but they're the best Rage Against Machine riff that Rage Against Machine didn't write was in some Andrew Lloyd Webber stuff. Mm. So I do have some Andrew Lloyd Webber planned for the nice. underrated. Right, Sweet. Can, can, can you do, I feel like you need to do like an Andrew Lloyd Webber cover and we should all do it like in the style of Rage Against the Machine. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude, that'd be I'm so down. cool. Oh my God, <laughs> can we do that? So that's one of the things I was even saying is uh, that if we could get anything out of this other than hopefully money and success, um, <laughs> maybe we could get some cool like side projects that nobody cares about, like our interpretation of Rage Against the Machines, like doing Andrew Lloyd Webber. Well, that was like how our sound that's guy decided. I'm excited about no, our sound guy decided it would be the best idea in the world to do Garth Brooks or Garth Brooks music in the style of Motley Crue. And I'm like, who is our audience? <laughs> all That's that amazing. remains aside to do the, the Garth Brooks music in the style of all that remains. Yeah. <laughs> Corey played bass on it. I, yes. I fixed it on Wikipedia. Oh, thank you. You played piano, so. Well, no, that. literally, if you go on there, like, listen, Howard Benson's an amazing producer. And in fact, like, he was very complimentary of us. But we worked on that while we were doing the Lost Symphony sections. And I go online and like, I, I don't have any thanks other than like a little, a little thing in the record, but it doesn't say Corey or I, because I'm sure we can't be lots of legal problems, whatever. But I go to the Wikipedia and it's like bass played and, and oh, keyboards arranged and played by Howard Benson. I'm like, you fucking dick. <laughs> I really took this keyboard part I wrote at the end of the song and then he just copied it through the whole song. Through the whole song. This this beautiful part that I wrote. And to be fair, we were relying on Ollie to, to communicate that we did that and Ollie, <laughs> Ollie forgot that he was at our studio the day he walked out, so. Yeah. That's... Ollie, can you let them know we played on this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the way, I have nothing against Howard Benson. He's awesome. <laughs> but still, like, yeah. come on, man. Give me my... You have a million... Platinum Records. We're, we're let just, me have just the keyboard. <laughs> yeah, let me have the keyboard on the on the song that nobody likes from that band. Yeah, we were we were unconsensual uh, ghostwriters. No, I guess that'd be the way to put it. <laughs> Ghost Arrangers. We didn't write Ghost it. Arrangers. Arrangers. Yes. There is. You can go on Wikipedia and edit it yourself. So I think you should just go on the internet, Benny, and just change everything. You know what we should do right now? We should go on um, the Wikipedia to David Abrazizes and put. Um, He's scared of scissors. <laughs> See how long before he figures it out. <laughs> what? 
No, because he said it like four times on on our podcast that he was scared of scissors. That's why he didn't cut his hair. And I'm like, I feel like that that's uh, since it stopped in 1994, we should maybe update it. Okay. <laughs> I'll leave that up to you. I'm but, going right. to once again. In our, in our so Richard, in Richard, how can people uh, get in touch with you for lessons and uh, find your social media stuff? Yeah, just on the I've got Facebook and Instagram page, just uh, which are both. Richard Shaw guitarist. So facebook.com forward slash Richard Shaw guitarist. Same for Instagram, Instagram.com forward slash Richard Shaw guitarist. Awesome, man. Go Please. check him out. It's thank amazing. Thank you so much. Yes. For thank you so much for coming back. Round of the Lostinfinity.com. <laughs> you got 2020. We'll see you next week. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. <laughs>